Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's returning guest. So you know him as an alumni of the Windsor Lancers, where he was an OUA Player of the Year. He's played for Team Canada on Indoor and the Beach, and he just won a Swedish Cup and a Swedish League Championship with Homestead VBK. Please welcome to the show, Pierce Johnson. I think this is your third time on the A show. You've been on the B show about four or five times, but uh, welcome back, buddy. Yeah, I'm wondering, is it, like, you get to 10 on both. Is it like a t-shirt or like something? I... something? <laughs> It's like one of those sub stamp cards. There's like a free sub in it for you at some point, but I think you got to get to like 10. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, 10's got to be the number. All right, I got to do a couple more times. But yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for taking time out of your busy summer here. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, people have followed your career just by how often you've been on the show. But uh, take me through the pro career because there's some wild stuff. But you started off the year in Portugal and then you make a change at the professional level mid season. So. Uh, let me and the listeners know behind the scenes what kind of sparked the change and then what are the logistics of speaking to your agent and speaking to a club because uh, I imagine it's not that easy to make a, an international transfer in season, right? No, definitely not. So what happened was I got a, an interesting offer to go to Portugal really late in the summer um, and so jumped on that opportunity, got the offer. Five days later, I was in Espino, Portugal. Uh, from the start, everything was just like not totally it was organized but like unorganized at the same time so everything was like they would say something and it was like almost that but not quite like the version you'd want it was everything was like the the knockoff like no frills version of it so i was like kind of like i never settled in fully and then was just having some shoulder problems from the start um had some illness and just got sick one tournament and then uh took like a week off and then I had to go play this uh, this exhibition game before our first regular season game and it was a really weird injury I had it I uh, our middle pushed with the 30 to go front him and then they set back to the, the opposite and uh, I blocked him and then the middle was chasing back to come close and as my right hand blocked the ball it like flung back and wrapped around the middle's head and then he brought my arm behind my back and it partially dislocated so it was actually it was super fortunate a guy on the on the portuguese team because most listeners may know this but a lot of guys in these like mid-level lower level league uh most of like the local guys work during the day um and so the guy on the other team his job during the day was uh physiotherapist and, and so he comes under the net and like, and like pretty good english but he was like ah i uh, I, I put back now i put back now. And i was like all right man like i'm i'm in like a good amount of pain and so he just he goes like one, two, and then like he does it on two and not three, and he just goes and like pops it back. And I was like, holy crap! And like so, like I said, this like huge rush down my arm, or like tingles, and I'm like, all right, like obviously I'm out for the rest of this game. And I go to the bench, and I'm just sitting on the bench, kind of like holding my arm, and I'm like, should I like should I put this in a sling? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good idea, that's a good idea. And I was like. All right, that's concerning that I'm the first one to think about this when there's like physios all over the place, but whatever, different countries, different ways of doing stuff. And um, my coach was like, uh, to the trainer, he, goes, he has to play on Saturday. This is Wednesday, by the way. And we had our first regular season game on Saturday. And he's like, he has to play Saturday. And he's, my trainer was like, he just, the shoulder just popped out. Like, he can't play for probably a month. Um, so we have to go through all these talks with the coaches and we had, we were already having issues that I won't get into because I do respect the club. The, 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 the coach was, uh, Miguel Maia, who's a legendary Portuguese volleyball player. He, uh, he lost to actually, um, John and, uh, uh, 
like a Houston child in the in the fi- in the bronze medal game at the Olympics. Um, really good player. Like has played in the Portuguese league for 25, 30 years. Like he's a, he's a legend there, and so he's trying to start this. He's, this is the club that's been around for a while. And he's trying to like revamp it, like make it young guys and get it going. So they brought four of us foreigners over to kind of like gearhead and just like take the load so that the young guys can like play and like play with some older guys. But we just weren't getting it along and it wasn't on the same page. So we decided to kind of part ways and I would rehab at home and then find a new club. So I went home in middle of October and was like super worried, honestly, because of you know, my Estonia contract didn't go all the year before. And now I left a team after a month and a week, I think it was. And so I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be that marketable. And I got super lucky that um, the team that I ended up at in uh, Hilton Homestead in Sweden, uh, they brought in a Brazilian P1 and he got there with a torn, torn rotator cuff. Didn't tell them. And every, like apparently like this guy was, a, he was a really nice guy, but just like, classic Brazilian just like I'm not hurt like I'm just gonna swing at every ball and they were like something's wrong because every time he would swing it wouldn't it didn't it would like seem like he's hitting it hard but like the ball wouldn't go very fast and then he would like scream every time like he was in pain and so after uh mid-November I think it was they made him get an MRI and he actually had two tears he like had another tear that he did while he was there so they're like all right we need to send you home like we can't have this we have the the cup coming up in a month and then like the rest of the season to, to worry about. So um, they brought me in. I got very lucky, a good situation with the best that I've ever played with, um, Dardan uh, Lacouche, who's like played at Mistake in Belgium, all these like top clubs. And the, the really the re- only reason he plays uh, back home is just because he's from there. He has a girlfriend, and he's kind of done playing in other countries. He just kind of wants to work and and play but um yeah that's how i ended up in sweden it was quite a quite the quite the journey now obviously you, you mentioned like you're aware of you didn't have the best experience in estonia you're not having the best experience in portugal was that something you discovered or did your agent ever tell you like hey man like you're getting a reputation here and this is something we need to worry about like is that ever something that clubs look like uh, because uh Obviously, they can look at your resume, your your highlight tape, but if they see you having like two short stints with clubs, is that a serious concern when you're trying to get new contracts? So I actually switched agents for my first season and my second season, and it had nothing to do with my first agent being bad. It was just each like each agent has their connections in the leagues they know, and just the contracts I was getting for you know this past year, I didn't love. They were like pay decreases and lower level and I just I didn't I thought I was worth more so I was like I asked him I'm like are you okay if I tried like looking elsewhere and he's like absolutely I understand that so I ended up messaging Steve Welch who's a Canadian guy who I had talked to a bit when I was at NEP um, and he's like yep yeah, I'll take you on and um, he was the one that got me the Portuguese contract that didn't work out but um, while I was over there like I, I also wasn't handling it great I was you know going through my own stuff but I think he was really good at just kind of laying it out as like he he's a good agent because he's like he just kind of says it how says it how it is and doesn't sugarcoat it. But he's also like a good guy. Listen, like I, he played pro for a while. He was on the national team. He's like I've been there. And like I've been an agent for 15 years now. Like I've seen all these situations, and this is what you need to do. This is how you're going to be marketable. And so when I when I got home, he's like just be patient, rehab, and like we're going to find something. It's, it's going to be okay, and like. This, this is going to be the time wherever you go, you can go perform now, just be ready to go in 
you know, late December, early January. So, all right, perfect. Um, and so he got me the contract and I was supposed to arrive in Sweden on Boxing Day, but then on December 21st, the club was like, oh, you actually need to get your visa in Canada at your embassy. And I was like, well, my embassy is in Ottawa and I'm in Chatham and that's like eight, nine hours. Um, so I had to fly, so then they had to push the flight to the 29th. And then on the 27th, I had to fly from, I had to drive to Windsor, fly Windsor to Toronto, Toronto to Ottawa. Steve, my agent, actually lives in Ottawa, so I had to meet him, which was cool, because most players don't actually meet their agents, so that was nice. Um, he, like, I forwarded his car, drove to the embassy, got my visa, uh, drove back to his place, dropped me off the airport. I flew to Toronto from Ottawa, and then that flight got delayed, or canceled, and then I had to get on a standby for the next morning, but the issue was I was flying out of Detroit to Sweden the next morning, or the next evening, sorry. And I wasn't going to make that flight because all my bags were still in Chatham. And so my dad had to come pick me up. We met in like Oakville because I took the, the go train to Oakville from the Toronto airport. He picked me up. We got home at like three in the morning and I slept for a couple hours and then went to Detroit. Finally ended up in Homestead. But that was that was quite the 48-hour journey for sure. No way. Yeah, that that's pretty gnarly. And just so our listeners don't label you as difficult, if they want to hear a funny story, go back to your earlier episode. Uh, Estonia, I believe there's a gas leak in your apartment and you got terribly sick, which I'm glad we could laugh about now, but at the time that was pretty scary. And then obviously Portugal, you get hurt, you want to get rushed back. So yeah, I'm not saying you're difficult. It's just from a, a viewpoint that a, a club looking on might be like, why does this guy keep transferring clubs? But anyways, you, you go to the Swedish club and I got to know, you're being brought in because there's an injury with their P1, another foreign cat, and the team's hunting down their seventh Swedish Cup and their 11th league championship since, like, the mid-'90s. A lot of pressure to perform. Like, did you know what you were signing up for? Were they kind of like, hey, we're going for it. We need a foreign point scorer. Yeah, I I knew, like, they were 10-0 when I uh, when I got there, and I was like, oh, man, this is, uh, this is interesting. I'm like, I'm not sure kind of what I'm walking into. Obviously, I knew it was a solid team. We weren't really deficient in any position. Um, and so, like, that part was, like, I was like, oh, this is cool. I can just kind of, like, do my thing. And there's other guys that can perform some games, um, which was nice. But it was definitely, like, there was that little bit on, like, you know, I played two regular season games, and then we had the cup semis. We had to drive to Stockholm and play uh, the cup the cup semis and finals the next weekend. And I'm like, this is my third and fourth game with this team. I haven't played that much with them. Uh, like this is going to be interesting, and uh, so it was good. Like we we won, we beat um, uh, Falkenberg, which had the Canadian setter Colm Gunn uh, playing for them. So I had to see him, and then the final we played Habo, which had uh, Matt Passlin and uh, Andrew McLean. So it was cool. There's way more Canadians in that league than I thought, but uh, yeah, there was like there was like that like a little bit of pressure where like they're they're a solid team. They've won the last two league championships. Um, and they, they won the Grand Prix two years before, and then the one the year before was canceled with COVID. So, like, it, it's a winning club, and they expect stuff, but it's also, like, it's a really well-ran club with, like, you know, the, the manager is the owner, and he just loves loves volleyball and, you know, does it for, you know, obviously, profit money reasons and stuff, but actually, like, cares about the athletes, and for the most part, whenever I texted him asking for something, he would bring it or would somehow find a situation to to resolve any issues I had. So um, it was a, it was a good place to be. Arriving there, uh, just describe to me and the listeners, what's the format for the Cup Series? Because obviously that's different than the league, and, and you're joining a little bit late, but uh, uh, who qualifies for this? What's the format? Because that's on top of league play, right? 
Yeah, so East League worked differently. In Sweden, it was all I knew was that we qualified, but how it worked was you had to finish top. So you played everyone once in the first half of the season, so you played 10 games. And the top four teams then qualified for the Cup in early January. Um, so it's a kind of one place four, two place three uh, for the men and the women. And it's the men and women's Cup finals in the same gym. So, you know, 10 a.m., noon, 3 p.m., 6 p.m. games. And you just kind of go from there. It was a cool experience. Got to play in front of different crowds, and it was cool. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, interesting. I walked in and I'm like, I don't even know how we qualified for this. Like, I just, I just showed up. All these teams are like, we have no, there's no film on me, right? I played uh, two games and one of them I got food poisoning for. That, that was wild. It was we're playing in this like really small gym against, and I got another two Canadians. I had no idea who they were. They played, I think, for like Princeton in the in NCAA. I hadn't heard of them, but. Uh, I think they're from like they're like a West guys. I think one of the guys played at Brandon for a bit. But uh, anyways, yeah, it was an interesting start to the year. But four games in, and we uh, we won a cup, so that was pretty cool. So you, you get there, the team's undefeated. Is that something that's talked about a lot? Uh, I may be jumping ahead here, but uh, I'm going to assume a Swedish team, uh, a lot of English speakers. So you're probably in the know of like even the locker room talk, the the team system, all that stuff. So. When you get there, is there a lot of talk about, like, let's run the table? Was it important to go undefeated? Was it something that was brought up a lot? Like, what was the vibe when you got there to a team that would already played, like, half the season? It was it was interesting. Like, the guys were awesome. Like, I made a lot of, like, like some long lifetime friends there, which was cool. Um, and that's, that's kind of why it was easy, too. It was, just, it was a good group that um, guys were, like, you know, helped me develop a lot. The coach was good. And, but, like... They talked about it, but it wasn't. It was kind of like let's let's win the next game. Let's every game's important, no matter who we're playing. Um, and in Sweden, it the, the top half of the table is solid. Like you got to perform, but um, also it was kind of like each game was ours to lose. Uh, you know, when we played well, we would roll teams. When we didn't play well, then those are the games we might go to four or five. Um, but we only went to five. Twice when I was there, and then they went to five once before that. But yeah, we ended up finishing twenty zero. Had the had the perfect regular season, so that was pretty awesome. Because the year before they also did that, but then uh, they they didn't do the full the full season. They lost I think one game in the in the regular season, or sorry, in the playoff final. Um, so they they won the final like three one the year before that. So that was um, something maybe they were trying to do this season was go nine and zero through the playoffs, which. We ended up, spoiler alerts to the viewers, we didn't end up doing. Um, we had quite the, the scare in the finals, actually. We, we went down 2 0, which was pretty wild. So, set the scene for me with the Swedish Liga. What's your community like? And then, what's the travel like? And the reason I bring this up is I need to improve my European geography. We just had Tyler Lachtuli on the show, and he played uh, in Greece, and he mentioned he had to take like a ferry trip to a lot of his away games and it was like a 14 hour trip and they didn't buy them beds. So they basically got to like sleep on the benches and stuff. And I was like, this is not professional sports, but I imagine Sweden, you're not taking a ferry anywhere, but North to South, it's a pretty big country, right? Yeah. And we're lucky that there's no men's team in like the North North. There is one for the women's that they have to take like the night train and it's like a 12 hour train. Um, but they did for the women, they did buy them the, the, the sleeping cost so that they could get rest on the way and stuff. But for us, the furthest was uh, Uppsala, which is just past Stockholm. And we're, we were like home to like almost the most southern part of Sweden. I think the only team further than us was Lund. 
Um, and they were like an hour and a half south of us. So they had, they would have the furthest uh, to play, but it was the, the unfortunate part about Uppsala was uh, they were very bad. Um, and so like for that trip, it was, we, we, we didn't take buses. We had a, a car sponsors with one of the dealerships in, in uh, Homestead. So we would just take big, nice cars, but uh, obviously squeezing some big guys into a car isn't always the most ideal, but it was, you know, to beat them about seven hours each way. So it's a, it's a 14 hour, a 14 hour day. And you're not, you're going in there in the morning out, you're playing a 2 PM game and you're driving home. Right. So it's nice that it's not a good team. Cause you're like, you can just kind of show up, warm up and, and rest some of your starters and get some of the guys in play time. But it's still, a, it's a long day because you're, you're playing a game, whether it's three Oh, you're then going into a car after like your body's going to hurt the next day. So that's tough. But for the most part, it's, a couple hours here, a couple hours there. It's not. It wasn't too bad ever. And just being an athlete inside a club that definitely is focused on winning, did uh, did any perks stand out? Or I'm wondering because you guys are so focused. Like, were you allowed off days? Were you allowed to go to the pub? Like, I'm wondering what the team who wants to win the cup and, and wants to stay focused. Like, uh, how much leisure did you have? How much like uh, fun did you have? Like, could guys take off and, and go do touristy stuff, or were you guys supposed to be dialed the whole time? Yeah, no, it, it was. It was pretty like a mix of like we when we need to work hard you work hard and then you know when we need time off like you know a day after a game we have off um and it was actually interesting with the club because a lot of the guys were just local guys like we had we had a couple foreigners but you know one of the guys that's a foreigner is lithuanian but he married a swedish woman he's played in the league for 10 years so he's been there forever um and so some of the guys actually like, we only practiced four days a week we always had wednesdays off which I got very bored because I'm only practicing four days a week, 6 to 8 p.m., no morning practices because my coach was um, a teacher at a high school in another city. So um, he was never there for morning practices, but it was nice because the woman's coach was a, uh, a Romanian guy who was, was his first season coaching. He was a player for uh, 12, 15 years. And so like, I got to work with him a bit, not on court, but in the weight room. And I got to learn kind of like different techniques in the in the weight room and different workouts which was really cool i got to work on more like rotational stuff and working kind of like what delby was doing with uh the armstrong stuff it's just kind of like the euro version so that, that part's really cool i love about playing in different clubs is you see the different parts of um workouts and practices like in in portugal everything was two by 15 it was so weird i got in i got in so me and uh the canadian opposite jerome cross had so many arguments with the the physical trainers because I got there the first day and it was two by 15 and I'm like, Oh, they just want me to like get my body moving and like not do heavy weight. But it was every day, two by 15, everything bench press squat. I'm like, what is this? Right? Like, what is this like rep scheme? Like this doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> Unreal. So you add on the morning stuff and I'm sure coach is fine with that. But, uh, what else did you do to manage the free time? Cause obviously the time zone difference, like different enough, like maybe five or six hours. So it's not like you can call home whenever you want because they got their own lives. But, uh, you said you met practice in the evening cause your coach has a day job. Like what would you do to fill that time? Like you only watch so much Netflix, right? Yeah, that was the thing. And like my program was nice, but it wasn't like anything crazy. Um, and so like I was hanging out with some of the guys, like they had this, I love this part. They had this, uh, they're like version of Starbucks, but like a little more like coffee shop-ish, like European coffee shop-ish. And uh, it was, you paid like 30 euros a month and you could get a drink, a new drink every hour, uh, 
as a subscription. So it was really nice. I would hang out there for a bit. Um, you know, every Friday we go play cards with uh, three other, uh, one girl from the women's team and two of my other buddies. Um, and so we just kind of felt down like that. I'd explore. We had a bike, so I could, and you can get like almost anywhere within 15 minutes on the bike. So I just, once the weather got nicer, I would kind of bike to the beaches and it's so cold, but I, I could enjoy that part and just kind of explored the city and could find what I needed to do. And then besides that, I just kind of lived in the gym and made sure my body was in shape. Sweet, man. So you mentioned the setter you played with may be the best setter you've ever played with other than Nolan Langley. But uh, uh, I'm curious, when you get there, are they trying to say, this is our system and this is what we want you to do? Or are you the one saying, you know what, I like to hit this flat of a set, I like to hit this tempo when I come through the pipe, I like to be pushed to this gap? Like, How much of it was like collaborative and kind of your skill set versus like, here's what our team likes to do, can you hit this ball? Yeah, no, it was, it was really like, this is what we do, now what do you do? And like, how are we going to mix this together? And it was like, the setter was awesome. It was uh, getting to know him a little bit the first couple weeks of practice. And then I remember once at the, uh, it was in the semis of the cup final and I was in six and I shanked a ball and so I received outside of four. And so he's running almost towards the bench. And it was like, it was like, it was high. So he had his hands on it too, but he's running jump sets like in tempo pipe over his shoulder. And I didn't run it because I'm like, like I, yeah, Nolan would also run that, but I like, I don't know the setter. And most setters won't run that pipe. And I like quick, like run over, like volleyed over. Uh, I think our middle got a block at a four. Um, and so he comes up to me. He was like, what's wrong with the setter? I go, nothing. It was perfect. I just didn't think you were going to set it. I'm like, I'll, I'll, from now on, I'll always run the lane. My bad. Um, so like, it was cool. Like the setter was a wizard. Like he would set stuff like from whenever. The only thing was he had like really bad vertigo. So whenever he turned left really quickly, so like if he was in two, like if he had to turn backwards, he then struggled with the set. So he's like, just miss me like anywhere forwards. And I'm like, all right, sick. Um, which is like where you want to miss the setter anyways. You don't want to miss them running backwards because then that messes up the whole offense. Um, but yeah, he was, uh, he was a good guy to work with because for the most part, it was just, all right, you do this now, I do this now. And we just kind of went back and forth and tweaked things as the, as the season went along. So when you say he's one of the best you play with, is that what stands out is not only like the ball performance, but the ability to have those conversations where he can be demanding, but also like open to what you want or need? Yeah, that's, and I, I think that's really important in a setter is like knowing when you made a good set and you need to be like the hitter, no, that's like you got to fix that. And or you like that's on you. You got to make that work. And like, no, that's all right. Let's talk about this now. Let's, let's get this going. So he was really good with that. I mean, he was, he was 32. He's, he's been around... Um, I mean, he played in Greece, uh, Belgium, and a bunch of other leagues. And uh, in Poland, he played for Yastrzemski in Poland, like one of the, the team that was just in the Champions League final. Um, so, like, the, the year he came back to Sweden, actually, I think it was like three years ago, he, he was like, ah, I'm bored of setting, I want to play left side. <laughs> so he went to like a middle of the pack team and played left side. Like, he was just, he's a good player. He understands all the positions. So, that's kind of why I think he's a good a good uh, leader on the court is because he knows each position and like what each guy kind of feels. So uh, it was a good guy to have running, running the offense. Definitely. Definitely. So as the the season progresses, uh, I think you mentioned you played 10 matches in the first half. So if simple math, I guess that would be like an 11 team league. How many make the playoffs and then what's the format? Cause you guys are, are just rolling, but when it gets down to like the league championship phase, uh, how many qualify and like, are you playing two out of threes? Are you playing one game takes it down? Like what's the format? 
it's actually really weird. So it's like normal top eight teams make it. Um, but then once the the eight make it, there's like a, a comp like a a draft that happens almost that like each each coach and then one of the players goes on their coach call together. And since we were the top seed, we got to pick from five to eight which team we wanted to play. No way. <laughs> Yeah, so so it goes like so we picked the eight place team because they were super close to us and they were the eight place team. Like we'll just play them, but we could have picked fifth place, and then so then two picks, and so then you know two picks. In our case, two picked seven because which was it was weird that they picked seven because they were in Stockholm and this team was also like half an hour away from us and like that's a super far drive. But in our eyes, they were kind of ended up. I think they were scared of five and six, which is fair. They were solid teams, but they ended up actually two lost to seven. Um, so the seven place team stole in two and ended up making it and they won bronze in the end. Uh, so that was kind of an interesting upset that went along there. Um, but then there was, a, I think, three picked five. And so then four had to play six. So that, that did happen. What is the intent so of was, this rule? I, I like... never heard of that before. And they were like telling me and I'm like, what do you mean you can pick what team you play? It's not just like you play eighth place if you're first. No, you can pick. We could pick fifth. We could. I'm like, that is wild. Yeah, I I've, I may have heard of it in like some weird European hockey leagues. Like maybe it's like a European thing. And I wonder what the advantage is. Like you said, maybe you got to consider travel or just a better matchup. But uh, I like the bracket, the top plays bottom, and you fill in the rest from there. Yeah, I think the big part is just to. Because, like, usually there's not a huge difference in, like, 7th to 8th to 5th to 6th, right? It's not – usually it's not game-breaking. Usually it's picked for the distance of travel. Um, like, the ninth place team was also in Stockholm. So, I think if they had squeezed into the 8th place, which the last game of the season was between those two teams, and so whoever won was the 8th place team. So, I think if they were the 8th place team, we would have maybe picked the 6th or the 5 even because they were much closer. Um, but – who knows, right? So because travel is a concern, are you guys just playing a home and home and it sets for and against like a, like a. So that's the other weird part is for the quarters. It's, it's so every series, every like quarter semis finals is three to five, except for the quarters, um, you play the first game away. So you go away, home, home. And then if you need away home. Wow, and that's over the course of like a couple weeks, a week. Like, how many? The each series, I think it was a lot. Of, you played every three days, so it was like a Saturday or like a like a Saturday, either then Tuesday, Wednesday. Like the club could pick based on the facility when it was um, available, and then you know three, four days later, and then you know if needed, game four, game five. So it was like if you played all five, it was about two weeks, I think. Um, yeah, I think that's what it ended up being about, about two weeks, if uh, three series. So for our quarters, we won three zero, and then so went away home away, which was weird because we have we're like tilt the home set because the it used to be two separate clubs and then they combined. So some games we played in a town called Tiltlebrook, uh, and then we usually played in our city home set. But for the quarters, we went away, so we played in Orkelinger, and we played in our arena for game two, and then we played in Tiltlebrook. So we played in three different gyms for one series, which was interesting. And do the super fan supporters, do they go to both gyms? We didn't have that. Like our club, since it's like a larger city, we didn't have that like small town fan base. 
behind us, we had one super fan who was like at every game with a giant flag and was there like while we're while we're like walking out to warm up like an hour and a half before the game. He's there in the stands, high fiving us all as we walk out. Like he was awesome. Um, but for the most part, like we'd get like we'd be lucky if we got like hundred people at a game uh, in Homestead. Now Habo, which was Pasland's team, and uh, that was that was a crazy fan base. When we got to their gym for the final for game two and game four, every fan that was in the game, they were, they were already sold out and they were waiting to get into the gym as we're rolling in. It's cold and it's cold in tweet. Like they're waiting in uh, like minus ten degrees. And uh that was a game like you didn't really have to warm up much because the guys they packed in, like you're warming up and it's a it's a packed gym. It's not that big, but it's like probably can fit like fifteen hundred. Um Sorry, like firewatt, like for the fire department, I think it's like twelve hundred. But then they open the doors, so they, they say they can fit fifteen. <laughs> um, but yeah, those games are cool. And then like for in Hobo, like two two and a half hours away from Homestead, and for our games, they would bring like two or three buses worth of fans. Um, so they would fill up a whole section in our gym, and they like their their fans were loud. They brought drums. Like it was it was a cool experience. But like it was weird because even home games like. They had way more fans. It was like a home game for them, basically. Yeah, that's bonkers. And what is a, a Swedish crowd like? Are they super passionate about their team and they kind of lay off you guys? Like, are they a little bit chirpy and get on the visiting team? Like, uh, I know when our beach guys play in Austria, if the Austrians are doing well, the building's shaking. But if you score a point, it's just like crickets. But they don't like chirp or get hostile towards you. It was a weird vibe. Yeah, they're not. They're never hostile. Like. Uh... They're like, like they're, they're they're cheering when like uh, or like when you know it a couple times. But like it's never like malicious or anything. They're just they're just trying to support their team for the most part. Um, I I think they they do it properly there. It's, it's they they walk the line really well. So for you coming from a, an OUA system and a U sports system where it's really prepping for that one match winner takes how did you feel going through these three out of fives like did your team have a solid game plan did you feel like you were constantly adjusting did regular season feel different from the playoffs like what was it like having like a series against one opponent in a row the quarters felt pretty normal i mean like the team gave us a little bit of a scare in game two um, like they played the best game they played all year which is like what you want in the playoffs right like that they're they're performing um and like we weren't performing as well because like as much as you know you you're you're wanting to win every game you're we're the one seed walking in like we're like all right we're gonna beat these guys and we didn't play great but we played well enough to win the semis came and like that was a team that they had they had good players um and they challenged us a little more but still we won that one three zero the 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 challenge was in the final when um we went we lost the first game and then lost game two away and it was like whoa we were just 37 and 0 and what just happened like like we just hit a wall so that was uh that was interesting but um we went we went down 0-2 like the next day the manager was like went to each guy's apartment and was like all right what do you need from me what can i what can i do what do we need to do um because like obviously like we need to win this next game we need to win three in a row now so like what do we need to change and there was like we had a lot of issues going on in the, um, in the team, uh, health reasons. Like me and the setter got COVID as soon as the semi was finished. Actually, I think he had it during the semi. Um, but I woke up. So we played the Saturday. We won. We won against Lund. Um, you know, we went, we went out that night. We had fun. 
And um, on Monday, we practiced at like noon. And then that night, I wasn't feeling great. And I woke up the next day and I, I couldn't walk. It was, I've never been hit with that, that bad in the in my life, um, including the gas leak. <laughs> that one was, a that one was bad. I, I didn't practice from, uh, so I practiced Monday and then I didn't, I didn't leave my apartment until the game on Saturday, um, for game one of the final. And I think the setter was the same. It was, it was rough. And even in that game, like I was, I threw up my first serve in the game and I like, threw it up and I like mentally wasn't there. And I'm like, Oh crap. Like I, I gotta go hit this ball. Now. Like, I was like, I was so lost. I ended up doing like standing floats and um, like, I didn't know what was going on. And like all this means that Tavo played amazing. They, they were like excelling each game all year. And like they, they peaked in the finals. Like they, they, they earned those two wins. But um, in game three, our starting setter didn't even play and so we're rolling up down 0-2 on elimination. The the cup and like all the Swedish committee are like at this game now, ready to present this trophy to Habo. And we lose the first set with our backup setter win. And no offense to this guy, like he was a good guy, but just not the best setter. Um, and so our mindset going into that game was like, well, we got nothing to lose. Like we're not supposed to win this game right now, but let's see what happens. And the setter ended up, you know, was the MVP of the match, like. Played, played great, and uh, we snuck one out there. And then, kind of as soon as we won that one, we're like, "All right, we're uh, this is over now. Like we're not, we're winning this." So we went to Game Four in Habo, and our starting setter was back, and um, went up 2-0. And in Sweden, they, they do this really weird thing with uh, in between the second and the third, there's like a 10 minute or 15 minute intermission, and so like we go to the locker room, and it's it's super weird. So that was tough because then we ended up losing the third set. We lose all this momentum. Like we won the second set like 25, 15 or something. We had all this momentum and then it's like, all right, you got to take 15 minutes off and then reset. So that was tough. But then we, you know, we won game, uh, game four as well. And then we're going back for game five in uh, our arena for the winner takes all. And that was a cool game. Cause I think there was like 1200 people in that, uh, in our gym for that one. It was packed. It was loud. Um, which we never got in our games. Like, like I said before, it was like 50, maybe 100 people um, at a regular season game. So that was that was cool. Now, obviously, you mentioned the illness and there's some distractions happening. Obviously, the other team's fired up. It's the finals. But uh, as an athlete, did you appreciate the manager going door to door and thinking, like, what do we need to do? Or did you get, like, a little bit of sense that they're, they're pressing the panic button a little bit? Like, what are we doing? There, there was obviously, there was panic um, through everyone for sure. Um, and like, you know, everyone in the media, like no one wanted us to win. We had won forever. Um, and they would have loved for, and Habo had actually never made it to the league final before. So this is the first time even making it past the semis. And they were a younger group with like some older guys like Paslan and McWilliam and like the foreigners. But for the most part, they were younger. And so most of Sweden was behind them. And so we're just kind of like, all right, like, what do we need to do now? And for the most part, we all knew it was just like, we don't, we're, we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. We don't need to change our system. We just need to show up and play volleyball. It was just, um, for the most part for me, I'm like, I don't need reps. I just need rest. And so I would, you know, go to the practice, do some passing, but for the most part, it was like just getting my body healthy again. Um, I lost, I think it was like five kilos, so like 12 pounds. Um, in that, uh, between the end of the semis and game two of the finals, it was, it was a lot. So I just, you know, no energy in the same, and so the, the setter also lost five, about five kilos, but he was, 
you know, 6'1", 180. So that's way worse for him. Like he was, he looked like a skeleton, um, which is why he couldn't play game three. Um, he ended up going uh, home because he was from the small town of Fulterbrook. So he went home. He was uh, Albanian. So his, uh, his mother like cooked him his like special Albanian like soups and did like the home recipes and stuff. And I mean, he was still not feeling great by game five, but uh, we just kind of pushed through and got it done. So when you go that deep in a series uh, against a good team, does the game plan get tweaked that much? Or you just kind of got to execute what you know what's going to happen? So you know on C-ball, this is the primary shot. Like you just got to take it away at that point, And it's more of like a battle of execution. Or did you notice that like the game plan had to keep changing because, okay, we thought he, this guy was a line hitter. Turns out he can also go into the scene or cut it pretty sharp. Like how much adjustments like that are happening? Honestly, from game to game, they, they happened a lot. Just they, they were good at adjusting, and then we would have to adjust, and you know, then they would adjust our adjustment. So it was just small stuff. And like for me, um, games one and two, I wasn't like, I wasn't like volleyball mindset. I was just there, I got to hit the ball. I wasn't really like, I, I knew the game plan, but I, I couldn't even focus enough. I, I didn't even know what was going on um, half the time. So I was just kind of like, all right, spike ball. That's, that's what I'm doing here. And then I kind of realized what they were doing, and I sat down and like watched them more. And I'm like, all right, this is this is how they're playing defense on me. This is these are the shots like I'm not going to be able to hit, um, but they're opening up all these other shots now. So if they were playing like super deep outside the court in high ball situation with me, I think four was almost leaking outside the sideline. One was like super back, and one and like so like the whole court was open. I just didn't realize this was playing. Um, and so game three, game four, that shot was open a lot in the pot. Um, throwing it down game five that shot became kind of unavailable because then they adjusted and so then i had my other shots of going deep but it was just kind of like a back and forth of the and so you take it down and i think i checked before the episode so that's their 11th league championship like you said you were undefeated going into the final series uh so on a team like yours was it pure joy and it was awesome or was there a little bit of sense of like okay we did the job's done like we did what we were supposed to do like how did they enjoy it was it like over the moon thrill or just kind of like oh we were supposed to do this no, that one was cool for them. That was because uh, they they'd never been pushed like that. Like they had lost like, like one game each year or something at the final, but it was like okay, that's one game. They usually lose on the road and whatever. It, it is what it is. Usually you're gonna lose one game in the playoffs if something weird happens. Um, but that one was like we all kind of said after like you know if we'd won that three zero, it would have just felt okay. But that that felt, that was one of the coolest feelings I think I've ever had. Was um, and in Sweden they do it so well like. As soon as the uh, the game's done, you know, we're all celebrating. They, they gave us each a bottle of champagne. We're, like, popping it on the court. We're doing slip and slides in the champagne on the on – because the, they have that, like, terraflex floor, so, like, they can clean it up super easy. Um, no, it was it was awesome. It was, a, it was a sick celebration. And then uh, the manager owns, like, a, a shipping warehouse for his company. It's kind of like the Swedish Amazon Um and so then, like the men's women's club, like it's re- they're really close. So like we all go out to uh, the it's called the Pen, but the the shipping company, and they have like a lunchroom upstairs, and then we had this huge party. Um, so like like we got there at eleven, and then all of a sudden it was six a.m. and it was like we're like where did the night just go? Um, and then for kind of like a week, it was just kind of like a fun party with the guys. Uh, ended up staying for about a week and a half, and it was just a good time. Oh, sweet. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. As a foreigner, how long are you allowed to stay, supposed to stay in the apartment? But you, you ended up staying almost two weeks after? Yeah, and like, like for the most part, clubs are usually pretty good about when you want to leave after. Like, some people go and, like, travel around a bit and 
you know, visit other countries, but I was like, I want to enjoy Sweden a little more. Like I was, I was going through stuff myself and, uh, was like, I want to spend a little time with uh, my buddies before I leave. Cause I don't know when, when's the next time I'm going to see most of them I probably may never see again. Um, so I just want to kind of enjoy it here and the weather was getting nice. I could, you know, actually go to the beach and, um, sit out in the t-shirt for the most part. Like it was, it was nice. So sweet. So job done. You you go to the, the Swedish league after a so-so start in Portugal, you guys take down the cup, you take down the championship. At what point are you talking to your agent about uh, next year? Like, are you a guy who wanted to go all in and we can talk in the off season or did those talks start uh, before you were league champion? They were talking a little bit. Um, obviously like with having a more successful season, I was more marketable and there was a couple of clubs I was talking to before um nothing no like here's a contract sign in if you want it was more just talking with coaches and seeing what's going on um i was interested in one club in the netherlands because uh two of the guys that were from homestead that were there the year before had played in this uh dutch team this year and so the, co- the coach was just interested in sweden volleyball since some of his players had played there um so he was watching the cup and so i talked to them a bit um and was interested, but then I got uh, an offer in Azerbaijan for uh, Kari Bulbul, which is a, a newer, last year was their first year. Um, and I think the league actually might have been the first year, maybe the second year of the league. Um, and so it's a new thing. It used to be a really big women's league, actually, in Azerbaijan. And so my agent was kind of saying, you know, this could be a good league to get into early on. And if you can kind of establish yourself, um, it could be kind of a long-term option. So... Uh, and it was cool because there's some other Canadians going there, uh, like Braden Friesen from uh, U of A. He was just playing in Kosovo, or Kosovo, however you pronounce that, um, this season. So he's going to come there with me next year. And then uh, the uh, Humber setter, Jake Gomes, he's also joining us. So it'll it'll be nice, like, there this, this next season, I'll have some Canadians there. Um, and then I think there's some other foreigners also. I think there's a, a, Russian, a Russian middle and some other guys going. So it'll be uh, it'll be nice. Dude, that's so awesome just to hear the experiences that uh, being a good volleyball player has given you where you've uh, kind of seen the Europe circuit and traveled around a little bit. Now you get to experience like a new culture and a new league starting up. So like uh, this is pretty cool. Congratulations. Congratulations. Excuse me. I couldn't be happy for you, man. This is awesome to announce that you've already got your plans for next year. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a big relief. Um, I know what I'm doing in the fall and I can just kind of, you know, enjoy my summer a bit and uh, relax back home because, I, I don't know when I'm going to be home next. Again, like, um, I may stay in Azerbaijan next season for, like, the summer. Like, it's, it's kind of undecided yet. So, I think it's nice that I can come home, relax a bit, get into shape for um, being there. Because, obviously, like I said, it, I think about a month of good – or two weeks in Sweden of good partying and then came back and saw friends. So, it ended up being about a month of no volleyball, no, which was, I think, great. I really enjoyed it. But uh, my, uh, my first practice back at Windsor felt – really rough it was uh it was like reinventing the wheel almost so when do you have to report for your new club it says september 1st in my contract um but i i usually it's like a two-week kind of the way i usually give them of like they may want me mid-august they may want me like the first week of september it's, they i honestly i haven't heard much besides signing the contract and talking um a little bit to them but i'm i'm sure we'll get into more contact with them in the next couple of weeks 
Now, again, any listeners who know you, like you're, you're a pretty physical guy, and I think you generally enjoy being fit and in shape. But uh, just for me and the listeners, again, just reference of what your lifestyle is like. So you win Sweden, you go be a tourist a little bit, you come home for a month. Is that kind of enough for you to get the itch and then you want to be back in the gym? Like what would be your ideal off season before you got to start either lifting or like you said, you, you go back to your university and you want to pass the balls or maybe you start jumping. Like how long is the season on your body? And then how much of an off season do you really want before you're kind of like, okay, I got to get moving again. Yeah. It's just changed a lot. And like when before I was just, I was more of a physical player and wasn't much of a volleyball player. And so it was just kind of like, I always went and just, I always thought I had to do stuff, but then I would, I would get burnt out during the season um, and so that's how like, I, treat, I think I'm, I, I think I found a sweet spot. I'm sure in five years from now, it'll I'll have it more renowned, and I'll look back to this. And I'll be like, you were doing it so wrong, um, like most athletes do. But uh, right now, I'm enjoying it. Like I took that month off, and then slowly started getting back in the weight room, not doing anything crazy, just you know working on new stuff, um, getting my body like more mobile. And then you know I've been practicing with Windsor four times since being home, and now we're just doing. Like Tuesdays and Thursdays, so just some light touches, and then playing a little bit of beach for fun. Um, like in uh, two weeks, I'm playing with uh, Ivan in the Montreal tournament. Um, just you know, he messaged me. I'm like, you know, that could be fun. Do a couple, probably do a couple in Toronto, and just uh, enjoy my summer and just you know get strong in the weight room. And just so like right now, I've just been going a couple times a week. Um, there's a there's a great gym here in Chatham that I've worked with since I was a kid, so they always welcome me back with open arms. Um, and which is awesome. They let me train there for free. It's just, it's a really good scenario. So I can't thank them enough for that. Yeah, that's so cool. I, yeah, cause I, I think when I look at the length of a pro indoor volleyball season and know how much you guys train, I was like, yes, you got to show up in shape, but man, it's such a grind that like you said, you can burn yourself out. So it's nice to hear that uh, you're excited to be back, but like honestly, two days a week to start off is, is going to be enough to kind of get you your touch on the ball and get back into it. You don't need to be going too much right now. No, not, I'm, that's all I'll do all summer. Is I'm going to do some coaching here and there and just be around volleyball. But uh, for the most part, it'll just be twice a week and just making sure I have the touch and I'm not showing up, getting bar down um, by some Russian spin server on my team or whatever. Um, but yeah, just kind of enjoying the summer, going golfing, hanging out with some friends and um, staying in, in a good shape so that when I show up, I'm, I can perform and then get into the my season shape there. Man, this is awesome. So thank you so much for letting us in the the behind the scenes of what the pro lifestyle is and what it's like being a foreign point scorer and taking on a league championship. And uh, I can't wait for next season because I, I just feel like culturally there's going to be some amazing stories come from there. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, it'll be much warmer than Sweden. So uh, <laughs> pretty excited about that. We'll need the winter coat or the boots. So uh, that'll be nice. And uh, the city I'm living in is super nice. It's like the capital of uh, Baku. So I, I, I'm not sure... It, from what I'm understanding is like most of the teams are actually like located within an hour of this. So like it's in, cause it's, it's technically in Asia. Um, and so it's like, well, like for the most part, we all play in one gym. It's kind of like the middle East of like everyone plays in the same gym and that's just kind of like one scene. Um, but it also confuses me with these least leagues because we're in Asia, but our team is playing Sev cup, which is a European which I don't understand, but I'm not mad about because Step Cup's awesome. So I'll get to play at least against one other one other country team. Um, hopefully, we can make a, a decent push into that. But uh, yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah, when you figure it out, you can be a correspondent and tell Garrett I how it actually works because that that's fascinating to me. Like you're you're in Asia, you're in the Middle East, but you're going to play some CV stuff. 
yeah it's, it's super weird it's, yeah i never get it but i mean it's, it's with most most of that european stuff i just show up and i'm like all right who are we playing just remember your shoes and get on the bus that's i think that's all you got to do at this exactly. point <laughs> yeah usually it's a pretty big fine if you forget your shoes like we that was fun in uh in Holt that we always there was always these like small fines and then like you know game day it's doubled and if you forget your shoes it's, it was like a hundred euros fine if you forget your shoes it was it was big did that go to the club or did that go to a team party I uh, could keep party. Nice. So nice. All, all, the, all the usually for the most part it was the same thing in Estonia. It's like all the team finds, like the player find goes to like the party at the end of the year. Well, man, th- this is awesome. Thanks again for coming on the show, letting us behind the scenes, and yeah, we'll definitely be rooting for you wherever you're playing volleyball. But so excited for everything you got going on, man. Awesome. Appreciate being on here again.